Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. Today, we are going to do a bunch of random stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about US Sixes. We're going to talk about some Syracuse news. Can Virginia three-peat? Uh, it's a little bit of Sam Handley action in the press. I want to talk about him a little bit and a bunch of other stuff. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe. Depending on where you're watching or listening, just share the video. That's all we ask, really. Share the video, spread the word, like, subscribe if you're in YouTube, and you can also now watch the podcast in Spotify. So if you're a Spotify fan, you can either listen or watch and switch between the two there, and then we're everywhere where you find audio podcasts as well. So that is the shtick. Let us get into this was us sixes i watched a little bit of that yesterday just a bunch of highlights and crap like that on twitter i have been pretty vocal that i wasn't a big fan although i'm a huge fan of that writer garnsey goal right there that you saw that now you're going to end up seeing on loop actually here over and over again as i'm talking but what ended up being cool was we've all been clamoring we've all been complaining we've all been lamenting that we kind of lost at least all of us old school guys we've lost that two-way midfielder that used to make lacrosse one of like when lacrosse got the the reputation for being the fastest sport on two feet it was because we had two-way guys we had dudes running up and down the field scoring like crazy games were up in the you know the the upper teens especially if you were a Syracuse fan watching Cuse and Virginia and Cuse and Hopkins and all those great rivalries back in the day they just it was it was fun to watch and I'm not saying lacrosse isn't fun to watch now I mean obviously I, I love the sport of lacrosse I specifically love the sport of college lacrosse so to see them jack with the 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 national at the, at the at the world level to see them jack with it and come up with this idea of sixes I wasn't excited about but one thing that I'm thinking about now and that I kind of see in how it was played here over the weekend is that that up and down frantic pace is there so for anybody who just loves to watch highlight real goals and just to see a, a bunch of goals get scored overall you're going to be a fan of this. This is going to end up being cool. If you are a fan of of Hugh, you know, of lacrosse defense and you love long poles, well, sixes isn't going to be the game for you and I don't I don't argue faceoffs, same thing. Goalie picks the ball up, ball's going back the other way. So there's a lot of things that, you know, have become specialties in the sport of lacrosse you're not going to see. But what you are going to see is still quality lacrosse going up and down the field, especially at the on the world stage. So I, I think I'm going to be willing to give it a little bit more of a chance after this weekend. I thought what we saw was pretty solid. We saw um, the Iroquois team against Team Canada. We saw them, and actually I'm messing that up. I forget what the Iroquois are going by now. But anyway, we saw them against Team Canada. They uh, are down by a goal, and uh, we have a, a, the ball chucked full field, three seconds left, caught, goal scored, tied up, goes into overtime, and then Jeff Teat scores the overtime goal. So I don't have any more specifics on that. I should have probably planned more accordingly, and I could have showed you highlights of it. Maybe as I'm talking, I can dig the highlights up here, and we can see it. But... Anyway, overall, I think that I'm going to be much more willing to give this this uh, this version of lacrosse a chance, and I think it's going to be a good opportunity, especially for those two-way middies. You got guys like the Ryan Conrads of the world that, I mean, the dude's nasty, the dude's all-American caliber player, uh, and you know he's a pro now and everything like that. But his skill set is uniquely tailored to this type of lacrosse, so it, it, it's cool that you know, hey, faceoff guys have been talked about for a long time and the, and the, the best faceoff guys in the game get a lot of press 
for winning that rock. And a lot of these two-way middies, that they do a lot of the little things that don't draw as much attention. Conrad's different because Conrad put up a bunch of goals as well, and there was a lot of hype surrounding him just being that he was a number one recruit playing for Virginia for a national title and all that crap. And But moral of the story is these guys now, and it's not just going to be the, the, the two-way midfielders in the field game. You're going to see a lot of box guys, a lot of Canadian guys, a lot of native-born players that are going to do really well where maybe they weren't the best NLL players or the best um, uh, uh, box players or whatever, um, but their 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 skill set, like Thompson, they talked about. He's aged a little bit in the NLL, but in, in for this game, Thompson was is, his skill set's uniquely tailored to do well here. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys that maybe mainstream lacrosse don't know that you're going to see um, do really well and on the world stage because of how this is all set up. So I'm rambling about it. So I'm going to shut the hell up here now. But that's that is the moral. I guess I went to the U.S. national team. Uh, Twitter feed to try to find crap on uh, on the old Iroquois team. So anyway, that's that. A little bit of other news I wanted to talk about. This was on Inside Lacrosse, and I've seen this blowing up all over Twitter. Was was just the players at Syracuse talking about how Gary Gate has already kind of allowed them to open up a little bit and to explore their creativity on the field in terms of goal scoring, in terms of feeding, in terms of just playing the sport and having fun. And I, I don't want to – that Desco didn't not do that. I mean, you saw a lot of cool highlight reel uh, goals scored under Desco. Desco was part of all of that old-school Syracuse. Desco was an assistant coach at Syracuse when Gate was there. So it's not like Desco didn't let the guys explore their creativity. But I always talk about how new coaches – they they end up having to do something to 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 get a little bit more out of the guys and you often end up seeing teams that have coaching changes overachieving a little bit in that first year of the new head coach. Gates not uh, uh, new to this whole thing. He's been coaching the women's game a long time. He's also been the new guy leaving Maryland to come up to Syracuse to coach as well. So I think that just seeing him kind of, even though they already kind of had the green light, having him just reiterate that you have the green light, we're going to try to play and have that brand of lacrosse be labeled as something that is more exciting, something that is faster paced, giving them just, you know, true outright, hey, I'm giving you the keys to the offense and to be creative and to score goals any way you can. And I think what one of them said was if it works in practice, it can work in games, or if it works in practice, you can try it and do it in games. So I think that's a big deal, and I think that will be one of the reasons I think you'll see Syracuse, even though defensively, I'm not sure what we've got going yet. Even though we got Petro as a new defensive coach, A, you have a new defensive coach, B, they have lacked depth on the defensive side. We have some really, really good quality talent on the defensive side. The problem is lacking depth and a goalie change. So there's a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball, but with Dordovic, Curry, and all the guys that are coming back, on the offensive side, there's reason to be optimistic. And if, if Petro and company can kind of figure something out on the defensive side, we may see Syracuse hang right where they've been all along. But uh, I, I like I want to see Syracuse run and gun a little bit. That's what I'm really saying here. That was a sweet picture of Gate ripping one as well. Another big thing for Syracuse, and I haven't really talked about it a lot, was uh, TD Erlen joining the staff. I believe he's a, a volunteer assistant. But either way, he's an upstate guy, Victor, New York guy. Should have been playing for the Orange all along anyway. Syracuse. I, w- I don't want to say Syracuse has struggled at the at the faceoff X. I don't think they have. I think they've they've done well at the faceoff X the last couple of years. Their problem, I think, has been a little bit of the prime time. You know, the, where it really matters, we haven't necessarily come through, and then a little bit of a little bit of inconsistency there. We've had some guys shuffling and in and out, and Fop and Varello both kind of had their moments to shine, but both had had times where they struggled as well. 
So we'll see how that goes, but it cannot hurt to have Erlen join this staff. Now they have literally one of the, the, the guy who's largely called the greatest college lacrosse player of all time, if not the greatest lacrosse player of all time. I would give Gate the greatest lacrosse player of all time. I still like Mikey Powell as the greatest college lacrosse player of all time, but I think it, when, you, when you mesh the pro and college games together, Gate is the greatest lacrosse player of all time. So to have him have Petro, most would consider him the greatest defender of all time. TD, one of the top two or three face-off guys of all time, if not the top face-off guy of all time. To have those three on that staff, that's not going to hurt recruiting. Not at all, I wouldn't think, especially with a young guy like TD joining the geezers in Gate and Petro. Just huge, huge uh, star power on the the coaching side of Syracuse staff now. So that's that's good to see if you're a Syracuse fan like me. We will also here talk about uh, Tanner over at Lacrosse Bucket. He uh, put up a question asking if uh, Virginia could three-peat as national champs. Now, like Syracuse, I have a few questions about Virginia on the defensive side of the ball. But Virginia is a very good team defense. That was what Syracuse wasn't last year, was a good team defense. Syracuse had some good defenders. They did not and have not in the last couple of years played good team defense, whereas Virginia has. Virginia has had a little bit of defensive struggles in each of their last two full seasons of play, which both of those last two seasons culminated in Virginia playing excellent defense down the stretch, and they they won national championships both year. It's one of those things where they – they didn't just win uh, win these national championships because they have good offensive players. They played incredible team defense. They had some studs on the defensive side of the ball as well, and they have a couple of really solid guys that's coming back. But that's that's my one question for Virginia defensively. What are you going to look like by the end of the season? Is as long as they can continue to kind of play that that really aggressive, let's beat them up, let's be physical, let's get up and down the field with the poles. If they can keep that going offensively, it's a no-brainer here. They bring everybody back. They have Cormier anchoring the left side of that attack. They got Matt Moore back. They have Schellenberger. They're going to have, I believe that should be their solid three starters on attack all season long. I think that's what you're going to see. You might see Dixon get worked in there a little bit just to get him time, get him comfortable. But I expect Dixon's going to, Xander Dixon's going to be able to run midfield and anchor that midfield. And then new guys like this Griffin Schutz, as well as you know a whole plethora of other midfielders that are going to fill in. But I like this Griffin Schutz kid. He looked good in fall ball. Fall ball production doesn't always equal spring production by the end of it, but watch for this kid. Very Sam Handley-esque, and I'm going to talk about Handley after this, but he's a big boy that can get to the rack. So I, I think that he may have a role to play here for Virginia. Virginia ran Cormier a lot at the midfield in these last two years as they were trying to figure out where to put everybody. So I think that this kid could could do some damage at the Virginia midfield, fill, filling some holes for guys that have left. So watch for that. But moral of the story, back to Tanner's question. Can they three-peat? Hell yeah, they could three-peat. Will they? Probably not because three-peating is really difficult. Winning a national championship in itself is difficult. I think that they've had, they had lightning in the bottle in a bottle the last two years. They're going to need it again to three-peat in a little bit and some, I think, to uh, three-peat. And obviously, insanely talented rosters don't always equal a championship. It's all about gelling and, and playing well together at the right time, which is what Virginia has done in the last two tournaments. So could they three-peat? Absolutely. I, I think that's a, they have a very good chance of that, especially because I'm an idiot and I forgot Matt Moore was coming back, which he is. All right, let's move on. Sam Handley. 
I forget who it is. Uh, uh, Inside Lacrosse has a slideshow, and I've just been using it as my outline to a degree uh, because they, they do a good job of putting some some very random news stories in there, and a lot of them end up being things I want to talk about or I'm interested in. So Sam Handley, he uh, of Penn fame here. Kid, he's been huge since 2019, had a big breakout season in 2019, and it's Matt Kinnear of Inside Lacrosse thinks that he's going to be a one of the top guys in the running for the Twarton. He'll definitely be a candidate all year. The question becomes with the Twarton, uh, are you going to be a candidate, which is just a lot of PR, or are you going to be a finalist, one of the top five finalists at the end of the, the season? So I think that he could potentially put up a season that has, has us looking at him as a legitimate potential finalist in 2020. I couldn't agree with Kinnear more on the upside of this kid. 15 games started in 2019, 35 goals, 26 assists, and 61 points, and I believe that was his freshman season at Penn. One of the reasons that Penn has really been playing well over the last couple of years here leading into it. Uh, This kid can score the rock. More importantly, he can shoulder heavy loads. He is a big cat, big dude. What's his, what's his spec down here? Say six, five, two thirty. So he can handle punishment. He can get to the goal. He can score. He can feed. He can do it all. Uh, capable of dominating a game with that size. He's just got to get back on the field. Now he played that full season in 2019, 2020, I believe he ruptured his spleen against Maryland in 2020 in that first game of the year. I know that he only played one one game in the 2020 season that ended up getting tanked because of COVID anyway, and he had three goals and two helpers in that game against Maryland. I don't remember if he finished that game out or if he didn't finish that game, but I believe it was Handley that after that game went out to eat with his pops and then ended up uh, not feeling well while they were out to dinner, going to the hospital, and I think he had a ruptured spleen, which is pretty crazy. But yes, I fully expect for him to be in the running for the Twarton, and I think that he has a shot at even being a finalist come the end of the season. And another thing here, some Joey, more Cuse news, I guess, but it's more, in this case, it's not Cuse news. It's just uh, exciting crap for Cuse, but Joey Spelina inking a deal with uh, Two Wolves. I, I I thought he had a deal with STX, so I don't know what Two Wolves is. I might I might be showing how ignorant and stupid I am here, but the it's just cool to see some high school kids now at the lacrosse. You know, you've seen it in, in other sports, the bigger sports, basketball and football, with some high school kids getting some, some uh, shine here and getting some cheddar for their skills, but it's good to see this spilling into the lacrosse world as well, and it's really good when that kid ends up being the future 22 at Syracuse. That, that's good news. But congrats to him. Him and his brother are both heading to Syracuse. His brother's a face-off guy, hopefully going to get to to get coached up a little bit by T.D. Erlen, assuming Erlen is uh, still there at that point. A lot of talk about the Ivies. How are the Ivies going to fare uh, come come them getting back to playing and everything like that? Are they going to eat a little bit of crap here in the recruiting trail? Maybe, but it's it's crap like this where the Cy Fieldhouse is now ready to roll for Yale. I, I, from what I've heard, it's incredible. It's big. It's not necessarily filled with bells and whistles and all that crap, but that it's, it is supposed to be a really nice facility, a really big facility, has a really nice full-size roomy indoor field, a big weight room with a lot of equipment. So even though it's not the, uh, let's say the highest tech or the highest end field house in the game, it's supposed to be insanely nice. And that's why the Ivy Leagues are going to do fine. The Ivy Leagues have a lot of money to put into these programs on top of, you know, they, they give these kids a good education. Not to mention there's still that that air about being able to go to an Ivy League school. So they're going to be fine. And it's thanks to crap like this for the most part. Now, there was something else I was looking at here, and I'm going to have to go back to find it. What was it? Oh, yeah. 
I was getting a little bit of uh, update action for the fall ball, the headstrong fall ball stuff that's going on today. And what I like to see here, beyond the fact that we have Ivy Leagues playing, was um, uh, Braden Maia and Asher Nolting hooking up. So it was 3-3 at this point when Kinnear put this post up. But everyone's, you know, high point every year. It's like, hey, is this going to be the year they're going to get past that first round in the tournament? And how are they going to end up doing? And they lost some offensive talent last year. But I like seeing Braden Maia scoring goals on feeds from Asher Nolting. That's all good for high point. And I think they said unofficial halftime score, seven up. Both goalies had played well, Nolting a last second goal. So all good things. This is a short episode today, folks, 16 minutes in. I am going to call it quits here. Just probably until the season gets better, I'll probably just do these updates from my desk like this a little bit more, Uh, do some browser sharing of browser tabs for the visuals because it makes it a heck of a lot easier to get content up. And uh, I almost wasn't going to do a show today, but as I was kind of thumbing through Twitter and hitting up inside lacrosse and lacrosse bucket, I saw, I was like, ah, there's enough news for us to talk about stuff today. So as always, be sure to like, subscribe, notification bell, all that crap if you're on YouTube. Really share the podcast if you are an audio listener, if you are an audio listener that also wants to have the video available to you depending on your scenario. Spotify, we're there now with both audio and video. So you can watch the video show there over on Spotify. And then we're everywhere where you get audio podcasts and crap like that as well. So that is it. I'll be back next weekend. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Hoost is out. 